1: That's right, another week, and the bye week has arrived. As the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues, I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 126. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts after the Eagles lost against the Dallas Cowboys to close out the regular season on New Year's Eve. There's no opponent to preview this week with the Eagles on the bye. But we've got plenty of things to talk through on this show. Then we will wrap things up with our scouting report, where this week I'm going to stay with the NFL draft. We're going to break down one of the top tackles in the country in senior Notre Dame left tackle Mike McGlinchey. But before we get into that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell and I break down the loss against Dallas and talk about this Eagles team heading into the playoffs. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Welcome to Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, joined by NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg a tough game to watch, obviously week seventeen. You know, going back and watching the film, both sides of the ball, not exactly the most enthralling film study <laughs> you're going to do uh, all season long. No, but, uh, a six nothing loss for the Eagles. Some interesting players on both sides of the ball for sure. But uh, let's start at the quarterback position because that's obviously one of the the areas I think Eagles fans are most anxious and interested to hear about your thoughts coming out of that game and as we go into the postseason. Overall thoughts on the the couple drives we saw from Nick Foles in this game. We saw some good and we saw some bad.
0: Yeah. Well. I think you have to start, Fran, in all honesty, with what Nick Foles is. Yeah. Because I think if there's an expectation that he's more than what he is, then I think you're going to get yourself in trouble right when you start. Nick Foles is probably the true definition of a system quarterback. The system has to work in all areas for him to be effective because he needs to be able to drop back, hit his back foot, and deliver the football.
1: Yep. And that's a large majority of quarterbacks. Right. uh, No, no
0: question. Right. No question. You know, he can be a little deliberate. He can be a little measured. But if you present him through the structure of your pass game, the pass design, the route concepts and combinations with defined reads and throws, Nick will function. Yep. And, you know, I think that when I went back and looked at the tape, because watching the game, you and I sat there saying, boy, this doesn't look great. And it didn't uh, for many reasons. But I think when I went back and looked at the tape, I kind of felt that there was more blame to go around with the entire offense than just on Nick Foles. I would agree. I thought that the O-line struggled in this game, and I think that, that's going to have to, that that group's going to have to really raise their game and play really, really well. They've struggled at times this season with stunts. They're going to have to get that cleaned up, or they're going to see a lot of them. Uh, you know, I think, obviously, the run game has to become a more significant part of their offense. And when you have opportunities on the perimeter for receivers to make plays, they have to catch the football. And I know what I said probably sounds very cliched, but that's the reality. The reality is when you have a quarterback who's essentially a drop-back system quarterback is all the dimensions of your offense have to work effectively.
1: Well, really what it comes down to is, especially when you're dealing with a, a backup quarterback, the margin for error, this was something we said I a dozen times during you know, during the day, Ben and I watching the tape Without and going, preparing I know for game exactly plan. where you're going. The margin for error across the board, but all three sides of the ball, when you lose a player like a Carson Wentz, and right. you've lost Jason Peters, and you've lost Darren Sproles and Jordan Hicks and all these players, at with every loss. Now the margin for error shrinks and your window for success shrinks. So you have to make sure that everybody is on their P's and Q's. All your T's are crossed. All your I's are dotted. If you have a wide open throw over the middle for third on third down, you've got to be able to pull in that football. If, it's, if you've got a TE stunt coming at you, you've got to be able to pick it up. To right. Three versus two or two versus two, you've got to be able to pick up that stunt. Uh, if you're a running back in the holes there, you've got to be decisive and get down that hole and not delay it and not you know, run into the back of an offensive lineman. Everything's got to be good, or else at some point it's going to catch
0: up to you. It's a great point. I just to play off what you said about uh, the running game. You know, if, if if a play is blocked for three, now they have to get five or six, and those two or three extra yards mean a lot. Yeah, and and to play off what you said as well about the margin for error shrinking, there's not that many quarterbacks in the league who are capable of camouflaging and compensating for weaknesses throughout not only the rest of your offense but perhaps the rest of your team. Carson Wentz clearly looks like he's one of those quarterbacks. I know he's only played two years, but he clearly looks like an elite talent in that regard. There's not going to be many guys like that.
1: That's where I feel like the you know the the one of the and you and I love hearing a lot of these axioms that kind of get thrown around you know about players and about the game. The term making the players around him better, I feel like that's what we're talking about, right? Is like it's not that you know Carson Wentz all of a sudden makes. You know player X Y Z better than they are. It's that he helps to make them look better because of how because well he he's camouflages able to yes. the
0: limitations. Right. Correct. Exactly. Correct. And he's able to make up for right. others'
1: mistakes. And now, when you don't have that X factor, you don't have that ability. Now it's like, all right, well, now we have, we have to make sure that we're executing across the board at a very high level on a more consistent basis because you don't have that kind of safety net to fall back
0: Because on. that's the only way you can function consistently yeah. if the execution, which, of course, we know is an overused word by coaches in all sports, but a very true one, particularly so in football where 11 guys, for the most part, have to – do the right thing on each play. If, yep. if you don't, the play doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Well,
1: all you have to do is just look back to the the second drive of the game against Oakland on Christmas night, right? I mean we we talked about the drive last week, but you know, there's nine straight runs. It really was like 10, 11 right, straight right, runs, right. and some come back on penalties and things like that, but you had nine straight runs. They go down for a touchdown, and then the run game all of a sudden isn't all that effective all the rest of the game. It's not like, oh yeah, on that one, you know, that one play everyone's great and now for the rest of right, the game they weren't right. good. But you had one little thing after another. You had penalties. You had fumbles. You had a missed block here, a missed, re- a missed read here, and now all of a sudden your run game looked great on the second drive, and then was almost non-existent after that. It's similar to that in that when you when you have all of a sudden everything's clicking, you just kind of need that on a more consistent basis, and all those little minute errors they all have to go to the wayside.
0: Yeah, and one one thing I'm real anxious to see what Doug Peterson and staff do, and we don't know who obviously who the Eagles will play at this point but to see how much of an increase in focus there is with the run game. Because I like the backs, yep. and I think they've got a nice group of backs. And I think their run game at times this year, and certainly the numbers support that, the run game has been very good. Yep. And now I think that becomes even more important.
1: I think one of the things that uh, you and I have talked about as well is that you know, we love the depth and the volume of this run game. Yep. Right? In terms, schematically, all the different schemes. Seeing some added wrinkles, and we saw one in this game. I was in the opening drive against Dallas. They ran a jet sweep to Nelson out of, out of a tackle over. So, uh, if you picture, if you're home listening or you're in your car, you don't close your eyes and listen if you're driving. But uh, <laughs> there was a tackle over set to the left. Okay, so you had Lane Johnson, who's normally at right tackle, he's over on the left right. side next to Big V, and they bring Nelson in motion from left to right. So he's running away from the strength of the formation, away from the two tackles on a jet sweep. Brandon Brooks is supposed to get up to the second level, but the defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence, he slants inside and he hits Brandon Brooks right as he tries to release. That prevents him from getting up to the next level to get Sean Lee. Had that slant not happened, let's say Demarcus Lawrence just tried to run past Brandon Brooks. Brandon Brooks gets up to Sean Lee, and Nelson, it's a 98-yard touchdown. However long the the run was, it ended up going for, I think, five yards, six yards. It was a perfectly designed play, and it was going to work. The two guys on the outside on the receivers or tight ends out in the perimeter blocked it up perfectly. Nelson was ready to hit it. Sean Lee, who's just a a freak of nature, one of the best linebackers in the game, made a great play, and that all started by just, you know, it is what it is. DeMarcus Lawrence slants right into Brandon Brooks, and he's unable to get out. But it was cool to see that little extra wrinkle there on the opening drive against Dallas.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. What you just said makes me think, too, about what the approach will be with the run game. Are you going to try to add wrinkles like that, you know, package-type stuff? Remember we saw Nelson in
1: the backfield last week against Oakland, too, on that fourth and one.
0: Or are you going to say, hey, these are our four really good runs and we're going to really work on these and this is what we're going to do? And there's different philosophies. There's no right or wrong answer.
1: How do you feel about it?
0: I tend to be a little bit more of a believer in let's do our our, thing, our four or five things we do really well, but I don't think my sense is Doug will see it the other way because I know the way Andy Reid thinks yep. and I think Doug will come from that school of thought I think and there's that, no right or wrong here. Of course. It's all it's it's different right.
1: philosophical uh, differences. But uh, one of the things I will say, too, is, look, the Eagles need to win three games straight. I'm, ta- I'm taking right. the cheapies where I can get them. No, so if no, you're no. me and I that's... can get 12 yards on a jet sweep? I'm taking the 12. And that's
0: why – no question. Yep. And that's why I think you'll see some of that. You know, the question is, when do you do it? What, what situations? You know, and, and, of course, that's all game planning and play calling and things that, you know, coaches have far more information than you and I. So it's – Almost impossible to comment on.
1: We talked a little bit about the offensive line. Uh, I would agree that they def- they definitely had trouble with so that first unit as well as the the guys that came yep. in at the end, um, picking up stunts and things like that. When you go to the run game, uh, anything that you notice from Stefan Wisniewski? He made his return after a couple weeks out. Uh, and he noticed, you
0: know, yeah, any notices? Yeah, I wasn't studying him individually, yep. so I, I can't answer that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, clearly he's going to be back at left guard when we get to the playoffs. and Right, and I think uh, he's probably had a little bit better year than people might give him credit for. Uh, you know, he's not an all-pro, but I think he's stabilized the position, and I think getting him back will be really important.
1: So we, we talked about falls and, you know, that things weren't necessarily – uh, as bad as it looked, but from the bad, what did, what did you see from his performance overall? We talked about him from big picture, but looking more of a micro sense in this game. Overall thoughts on Nick Fall? Well, the, and the, the thing about
0: Nick, and and again, it may just be in his DNA, and and then you have to do the best you can to help him with your design. But he's a little deliberate and measured in both how quickly he sees things and sometimes how how quickly he gets rid of the ball, which meaning that he's a little too slow. And that just may be built into his game. And it may be the reason that he's never been able to stay as a starting quarterback because he's obviously had success as a starter, and when he went to the Rams, everybody thought, hey, now's his chance, he'll be an NFL starter, things will go really well, and it didn't work out. And, you know, I think I'm sure the coaching staff is aware of it. It, He just needs to be a half a click quicker with – Seeing things and getting rid of the football.
1: Yeah, an example would have been that interception that he threw uh, against. It was against cover two. He had Alshon Jeffrey going down the sideline, right into the void in the turkey hole, past the corner, underneath the safety. It was just late to pull the trigger there, and then the ball. He was on the run a little bit. Was unable to get the. I'll ball give there. you another play. Yeah,
0: it was in this game. Okay, and it's now we're talking about real close. In other sure. words, you know, and again, I. I I don't know if you'll remember. Well, you'll remember it, but hopefully, I'll describe it really well. It was mesh with the route oh, right yeah. behind it, yep. and he ended up throwing it it's on, on third post. down to Torrey Smith. Yep. And I, I watched the play literally ten times, yep. and I was trying to decide if he had and I forget what receiver it was behind the mesh. I
1: want to say it was. It may have been Burton, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, and
0: you know, there's a part of me. Five times I said that. If he was just a little quicker, yep. the ball could have gone to Burton, and we had a first down and a good play. And then a part of me said, "I'm not sure. Yep. I don't know how you felt about it, but that was a play where I just felt that his deliberate, and measured approach just prevents that from even really being a consideration." And it was tough too, because and so you remember the play. I remember the play. Yeah.
1: There was, I couldn't tell exactly what coverage the the Cowboys ran on that play because it looked like. It may have been quarters, right. if but, I but it if it to... was
0: Burton, he was wide open. Yeah, and there was a yeah.
1: safety in the middle of the field, so Torrey Smith kind of tried to flatten that right, route right, out on right. top. Basically, for, for those of you who may remember that the long touch on the biggest play that Torrey Smith uh, had this season, same exact play concept, doing what he against the Arizona yep, Cardinals, against the Cardinals. Where, yep, where Carson threw it out in front and Torrey ran under it, same exact play, and Nick went back to right. that. Except Torrey had to adjust that route because that safety was there in the middle of the field. I would agree, though. I thought that the, it had opened up a little bit over the ball on that little sit right ball. right uh that's that's a good example too i actually didn't even think about that one um all right so yeah so an up and down performance obviously i think i think we'd all be having a different discussion had you know a couple of those plays broke differently sure. you know, Corey smith brings in that pass on third down he he might have gone for a touchdown on that play we don't know and now we're, we're kind of singing a different tune uh, today on monday morning but uh looking looking ahead obviously i think we, we've kind of talked about this Everybody kind of needs to pick their game up a little bit. Uh, staying at the quarterback position, um, Nate Sudfeld made his, his debut. Overall thoughts on, on him? He's not a rookie, but overall thoughts no. on the young player's debut here?
0: You know, the, one of the first things you look at besides the X's and O's is, is just poise, composure, how, how he goes about playing the position. I thought yeah. he, was, he was poised. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel like he was playing fast. Uh, I mean, again, uh, as you said before we started talking, there were some – some dropbacks I'm sure he would like to have back Good yep. because I think that's always the case when a guy plays for the first time. But uh, I liked his mobility. Yep. Uh, I thought he had lighter feet. I thought there was one throw I might have been called back by a penalty. The Marcus yet. Johnson throw. Yes, that yeah, was I mean, called that was, back. That was a big-time throw. And I was also he. I liked his pocket movement. Yeah. And he moved to his left yep. and set his feet. So he did some things I really liked. I remember watching him at Indiana, and I kind of liked the way he played. And I, I also watched him out in Indiana because my older daughter went to IU. That's right. So uh, I have an affinity for, for I. U. But um, uh, I like the way he played in Indiana. I thought he had a, a fast arm but at times a slower ball. And I you know, I was wondering I always wonder if his if that could be the velocity could be a little more, you know, with some technique works, sure. you know, just getting older too, you know, yep. when you're younger. Um, but uh He didn't strike me as having a slow a slow ball. Like I think his arm is fine. If you were to have to play in this league,
1: yep. Yeah, I, I've always been you know again I, I wouldn't say that he was going to be this high level starter when he was coming out of Indiana. But I always kind of liked him. You know, going back to his career with the Hoosiers and even watching the Washington Redskins because we played Washington in Week One. Yep. So I watched every snap of their preseason. So watching Sudfeld in the summer. I you know since I liked him in Indiana, I'm watching him. I'm like you know, he this did kid, well in the preseason. He did. He yeah. performed very well in yeah. this summer. So uh, I was excited to see him, and I, and I thought he performed pretty good. Well. Size kid too. Yeah, no question. So um, that would be interesting to just watch you know down the line because I think the Eagles you know seem to like this kid moving forward right. and down the line. I think he'll be an exciting player to watch. All right. Uh, anything else offensively that stood out to you in this game? I'll tell you what. One guy who flashed. Um, this kid he just runs really well. We talked about him earlier because of that catch he made from Sudfeld. Marcus Johnson can run, man. That kid's got some length, and he gets out of the box quick.
0: Yeah, I'm anxious to see what they do with him going forward. Yeah. Because, again, you know, we're, we're getting ready for the playoffs, so we're not trying to deal with anyone's post-mortem here. But Marcus Johnson's good size. He can move well. Yep. Uh, you know, in training camp, you and I talked about how he flashed at times.
1: Yeah, a big catch every day, especially early in, that su- early yeah, in the summer. Yeah, you
0: know, boy, I, I – you just don't—I mean, again, you don't know where the what the future is right now. We know Jeffrey's back for sure. Yep. You know, we obviously know Aguilar is back, and then, then you get to the number three spot, and we'll see. But, I mean, Marcus Johnson, to me, seems like he could be in the running for that.
1: Yeah, I, he started the season active on basically right. a weekly basis, and has been more, yeah. mostly inactive over the last month and change uh, for you know, often for Shelton Gibson for I would assume special teams reasons and you know Shelton has, has certainly come along as well he had his first career catch in this game on a little slant route uh, any other play we saw Wendell Smallwood for the first time in a while uh, in this game. Say Amalu got action at left guard and at center, so it was good to be able to see some of these young guys uh, obviously show up in yeah. this game as well.
0: Do you remember Johnson? I mean, he he went to Texas, right? He went to Texas. Didn't, didn't, didn't put up big numbers. Yeah, no, he did not. Do you know if he was yes. a big time recruit?
1: I'm going to assume he was. Yes. Texas. That's because God, what they do. he look
0: he looks the part, Fran.
1: I mean, he's a big. He's six two. He can. I mean, the kid can. He can fly. He the one. Looks... He ran this one post route, and me and Ben sat there with yeah. our right, mouths open. Yeah, like I mean, he, he looked. The part, yeah, no question. Um, defensively, I'll tell you what, it was really impressive to watch that second, t- especially the second team unit, perform the way they did. I couldn't agree um, more. To, from the beginning of the game yep. until the very end, against Dallas' the starters, the entire game. Yeah, I mean that was. That I mean, was we really lose sight of
0: see. that. Dallas scored one touchdown the entire game.
1: Yeah, I mean, no Brandon Graham, no Tim Jernigan, no Derek Barnett, Fletcher no Cox. Mills. a couple series. You had no Jalen Mills, no Rodney McLeod, no Nigel Bradham. Right. And those guys held him to six points, yeah i mean that was I, that was really really fun to watch
0: i couldn't agree more uh yeah.
1: anybody you know you can go from from front to back. There were guys that stood out at every single level. I thought Chris Long had, had a strong game, but you saw lots from you saw flashes from Destiny Vile. I thought Elijah Qualls, the rookie sixth-round pick, had his share of flashes in this game. Uh, you saw Camu, You saw a lot of these guys flash on this game, and then you have Sidney Jones as well, obviously.
0: Yeah, and, and and again, it was hard to get a real read on Sidney Jones yep. because uh, only one ball was really thrown to him, as I recall, and it was the sluggo, which like Jalen Mills yeah. and yep. Ronald Darby, weeks before he, he jumped in and, and it was overthrown by Prescott. But, um, you know, I was also happy to see uh, Nate Garrity get, get some snaps, and yep. I thought he played pretty well, too. He showed he up. He did. He, he showed times. up, yeah. He almost had a pick. Yep.
1: Uh, the tackle at the line of scrimmage was really – he took on Lyle Collins. Where he took
0: on Lyle Collins and awesome. kind of tossed him away and then made the tackle. Because I, I liked – I mean, you and I talked about him. We know what he is and what yep. he isn't. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a 4-4 guy who's going to run all over the field. But I really liked him as a football player coming out of Nebraska.
1: Uh, you, obviously, Sidney Jones, like you said, didn't have a lot thrown his way. But uh, did you see the things in terms of, like, the traits? We'll, we'll maybe give people a refresher as to what you saw from him coming out of Washington in the spring.
0: Well, I actually, because I knew we'd talk about him, I brought my evaluation, for ever the know. Ever the student of the game. You know, so in my transition section, I said that he possesses the athletic, physical, and competitive traits to be a high-level NFL corner with his ability to play both press coverage and off coverage very well. And I said he would profile very well for a team that plays single high safety as its coverage foundation, cover one and cover three, which uh, obviously fits the Eagles perfectly. Certainly under Jim Schwartz, depending on whether I guess we're hearing his name mentioned, assuming he's back. But I think this I think this secondary fits the single high safety approach very, very well. Yep. So I think anybody who would come in if Jim is gone. Yep. I mean, Malcolm is obviously really good near the line of scrimmage, and their corners can play on, on an island.
1: And they certainly play will play their share of cover two as well, right. third down. And he's got the physicality to be Oh, back no back question. Well. That was you one know, thing we did get to see in this game.
0: Well, it's funny because one of the things—I I have a, a, an other section as well, and I made a, a note that he had some very good snaps versus uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the USC wide I'm receiver— sure. Uh, in which Jones jammed and disrupted Smith-Schuster off the ball with excellent hand usage and physicality. And Smith-Schuster's about 6'2", And Jones, he looks like he's about 190 soaking wet. Uh, but I guess at the combine, he was uh, 186. So okay. maybe he's up to 190. There you go. But, uh, you know, given a, a, a guy that's not big in build, he, he can play physically. Uh,
1: so moving now into the, the future, and then we'll talk short-term future because long-term we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but – do you see a situation – how do you feel like – if they if they like what they saw from Sidney Jones in this game and they say, you know what, we, we we have to have this kid active, how do you think he kind of fits in? Like how – if it were you making the call, like would you – is it dime? Is it nickel? Are you trying to start? Because we did see a couple of him, a couple of snaps I mean, of sliding inside. Yeah, you know, I think, how do you view it?
0: I think overall, uh, you know, that's a hard question because the secondary's played well.
1: It's risky to business to make changes like that. Yes.
0: I mean, I think overall, you'd have to say Mills has had a solid season. Darby is a good player. Yep. Robinson has probably, you could argue he's had the best season of all the corners overall playing in the slot. So. I think at this point, I would see him possibly playing spot snaps, but I don't think you're putting him out there for 25 snaps. Yeah, I. You just said it's risky business. These guys have played well. Yep. And do you really want to sort of change that dynamic in a playoff game? I think.
1: And the other thing too, when you say that, I I hate to cut you off. No, no problem. When people say like, uh, you know, they worry about the secondary. Yeah, they gave up some big plays over the last month and whatever it is. They're one of the top 3 or 4 defenses in the league in terms of giving up deep balls downfield. I right. mean, that's one of the only thing I think a lot of people are losing right, sight of right. a little bit is that, you know, oh, the secondary they they've gotten beat for some big plays or Yeah, that's true. But leading up to this point, I right. mean they they have barely given up big plays right. down the field when you look at across the league. So Yeah, you know, no, that's yeah, true. I agree with
0: it. You. It's been a good group and and it's hard to really I mean because don't forget, if you put Sidney Jones, let's say you put him ahead of, of Rasul Douglas, and, and which is probably going to be the case, uh, it, how many snaps are you going to put him out there for? That's a hard.
1: Rasul Douglas has been inactive for a couple of games yeah, leading yeah, over the last yeah. month, so yeah. yeah, that's a valid, so, that's a val- very valid question. I would imagine, if anything. He's going to get activated over, you know, we just mentioned it, that Shelton Gibson was getting activated right, over right, right. Uh, Marcus Johnson. Maybe you say, okay, we want Sidney Jones to be active to play in that kind of role on special teams. But we'll see. That'll be right. very interesting to watch uh, starting next Saturday, a week from Saturday. Any thoughts overall as we go into a wild card weekend? The Eagles, obviously, they're going to see an NFC South team next Saturday night. Uh, is it going to be the Saints? Is it going to be the Panthers? Is it going to be the Falcons? Any uh, real quick feelings on how some of these games are going to go this weekend?
0: You know I'm a really bad prognosticator, so I, I'm just not good at that. Um, you know I'm, I''m I'm intrigued by the by the Atlanta Rams game. Yeah, I really am. and I think look, the Rams have a very good offense. Uh, I, I could be totally wrong, but I think that game's going to be really competitive. and And the thing is Atlanta has struggled all year. their offense has not really found any kind of rhythm as they had a year ago when Kyle Shanahan was there. Their offense is very much week to week in terms of the run game and the pass game. Sure. But the other thing, and and again, I know this might sound cliched, but it ultimately becomes true, is they've got players. Julio Jones is a trump card. Yeah, and and even the backs. I mean, Freeman and Coleman are good backs. They've not run consistently this year in terms of yardage, but you're dealing with quality players. I mean, I think I saw a stat today that Julio Jones just got to 9,000 receiving yards faster than any receiver in NFL history. That's yep, not bad. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good that's stat. That's pretty good. That's a good feather in your And car. actually, Matt Ryan got—he's uh, in his 10th year. He has the most passing yards of any quarterback in this, in their first 10 years in the NFL. I think, and I don't think anybody thinks about Matt Ryan like that.
1: I think that the Rams are favored by like four, four and a half points, something like that. It wouldn't shock me for Atlanta to go cross-country and win that No,
0: game. no. That's why I mentioned yeah, that game. I, that's, yeah.
1: It wouldn't shock me. And if, and if that were the case, that's who the Eagles right, would see. Right. They would see the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, a team that they did beat at home last year in 2016 uh, at lincoln financial field so the
0: only game that year in which the falcons scored less than 20 points that's
1: right that's right like we knew that from our research from kyle shanahan right right that, that's it's going to be really interesting i'm i'm actually really excited to watch both games because uh the panther saints game i think yeah. is going to be really interesting too obviously the the rubber match between those two teams um a lot going on with both in terms of what they do offensively and matchups and schemes it's it's, it's going to be fun. It'll be interesting. It's, I'm going to have a, a nice heavy week. I'm going to try and dive into all Watch three teams football. as best I can. Be a cold um,
0: weekend, so it'll be a lot of football that's, watching. That's a good point. Yeah.
1: we got the, uh, the, the semifinal games and college football going on literally as we speak. So, uh, Greg Gosell, appreciate the time here, as always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you next week. We'll preview that divisional round matchup. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on any form of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, and even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Nick Calvelli, who went on Lipsin and rated the show and left comments saying he thought this was the best Eagles podcast around. No fluff, just great insight on the Eagles and their opponents. So thanks, Nick. Very kind words from you. I appreciate everybody out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep the show going. I told you earlier we would break down Notre Dame's left tackle, Mike McGlinchey, the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Mike McGlinchey, 6'7 foot 311 pounds, really big kid, local kid as well. Philadelphia native, went to Penn Charter High School. His cousin, Matt Ryan, also went to Penn Charter, and he had a really accomplished career out in South Bend. He was a third-team All-American last year as a junior in 2016. He could have entered the draft a year ago. There were reports out there that he got a first-round grade from the NFL Draft Advisory Board, still decided to go back to school because of how important that was to him. Felt that he had some unfinished business there at Notre Dame. With the Fighting Irish. And little did he know, he went back and he became, he was a part of one of the top offensive lines in the country and actually won the award for the number one offensive line in college football. Going back to high school, though, this kid was a great athlete. I mean, he played every position on the field for Penn Charter outside of defensive back during his career. So you get a sense for his movement skills and also played men's basketball as well for, for Penn Charter. So you get the sense of a kind of athlete he is. Now, a three-year starter for Brian Kelly. It's a shotgun spread offense, and he's in his second season as the left tackle after he started his career at right tackle. Remember, a couple years ago, you had a left tackle there who came out of the draft and he was a top-12 pick, Ronnie Stanley with the Baltimore Ravens when he left that opened up the the hole there for McGlinchey to slide over to left tackle so he's played both tackle spots played in an offense that ran a good mix of zone and gap schemes in the run game great height for the tackle position again six foot seven and a half with pretty good length and a frame to add more weight on Impressive athlete for his size. you know. I think he's a fluid, efficient mover. He can be effective on the run and in space. He flies out of his stance in a hurry. He's got light feet, especially for a big guy, and certainly has the quickness to stick at tackle and protect the corner in the NFL. He's got the ability to recover quickly if he's beaten on the outside. Just a really natural athlete. Overall, I say he stays pretty patient and mostly under control in his pass set. When he lands his punch, he's got some pop behind it with his hands. He can reset his anchor. If he's Initially pushed back at the snap with the ability to replace his hands if he gets removed quickly. I think he sees things really quickly as well with his eyes and is never fooled by stunts and blitzes up front. Coming into the year, he had only given up three sacks in his first two seasons as a starter. So I was pretty impressed with that. Just, he gave up two as a junior in 2016, but overall, I was really impressed with him in pass protection. He's got some natural bend to him. He can block low to high in the run game. Again, that's really tough for a guy who's over six foot seven. He runs the shoot well. That means you know you think back to all the practice fields and on a football practice field those shoots that the offensive linemen have to run through where you see them have to keep their pads low he does a really good job of keeping his pads low in the run game, and he can move some people up front when his technique is right. In the zone run game, he can cut the backside. He can stretch the front side with no problems. He works really well in tandem with his left guard, Quentin Nelson, who's a junior who actually just declared for the draft on Monday evening. Does a great job with Nelson on double teams, and he times his sifts up well to the second level. He can do work up in space you know, with the ability to latch on to defenders and finish one-on-one at the second level. He works to finish through the whistle. He's a really competitive kid. And honestly, he really flashed to me going back to his sophomore year, his first year as a starter, because he really held his own in one-on-one matchups against Joey Bosa of Ohio State and against Kevin Dodd from Clemson as just a sophomore back in 2015. So he's been on my radar for a while. Some of the issues you worry about. He did have a big issues with false starts in 2016. I haven't charted it yet this year, but he was flagged eight times in 2016 on just those false starts. He was penalized five times the year before in 2015. So you'd like to see them get see that get under control. I'd like to see him continue to add weight, get a little bit stronger without losing much of that athleticism. There were times where I thought he got a little bit jarred off the ball against bigger defenders. So just getting stronger in his core is a must. He is over 310 pounds, though, so he's got some bulk there to work with. That showed up in the run game as well, so he got knocked back a few times uh, on tape from what I've seen. Good feet, but there are times where he doesn't get great depth in his pass set. So just an initial footwork, just continue to clean th- clean things up. He'll wind up with his punch and pass pro. His hand placement could improve. But I'm just kind of nitpicking overall. I-, I really think that this kid, if he had come out last year, I think he would have been the best tackle in 2017. And he's better, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion, I think he's better than what Jack Conklin was coming out of Michigan State when he was a top 10 pick in 2016. I don't know that he's going to go in the top 10. You know, We're going we're to see how that pans out. To me, though, McGlinchey's the best tackle I've watched in college football this season. He's got good feet. He's got patient hands. I love his nasty demeanor. He's got all the traits of a starting tackle and a potential Pro Bowl player on the left side down the road. Day one starter to me uh, at the NFL level. So we'll see. We'll see if he ends up uh, where he ends up in this draft. If it's a top 10, top 15, if it's middle round one, late round one. uh, I will be shocked if he slides into the second round. I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's one of the best offensive linemen in the country. So excited to watch his uh, uh, his stock kind of flow as we move forward here closer to the NFL draft. All right, great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, one last time, just take a few seconds, go rate the show. If you want to support me in the new year, you want to support the show, just go and do this real quick. Just go over to wherever you listen to the show. Give it a rating. Leave it a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there. If you're going to leave a comment, might as well get a, a free question there as well. Love to answer it here on the podcast, especially as we get into the playoffs and then the offseason and everything that goes with that. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. Happy New Year. We will talk to you next week.